the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let's get it underway for Friday, last day of the week, last show of the week uh, for the Dave Ellswick Show. And uh, Shane Stacks, friend, former politician, former radio host, joins us today uh, during this hour on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's always good to have him here. So last night you said you watched the debate, correct, uh, Shane? I did, I did it. I did two things for you because I love you, Dave. <laughs> One one is I'm up at six o'clock in the morning. That's right. Which is I'm I'm a night owl, so uh, I'm here at six for you because I love you. And uh, you also mentioned that you want to talk about the debate today, so I watched the debate. Um, so yeah, I uh, I plugged in and and watch watch the debate for you, Dave, so we could banter wittily about it this morning. So, okay, so yeah, I wanna I wish I could play the give and take back and forth between Biden and Trump last night on the whole thing about uh, uh, fracking. But anyway, right. just to give a, you know, a kind of a look at it, uh, basically what Trump said is that uh, the vice, former vice president would ban fracking. Biden said, I never said that. And uh, the president said, you're on tape. And he said, no, I'm not. And he said, yes, you are. And uh, then Biden made the fateful decision. Why? I don't know. He said, uh, prove it. <laughs> yeah, he said, prove it and put it on your website. And, and Trump said, OK, I will. And here is the audio of what's on uh, the president's website right now. I never said I oppose fracking. You said it on I, tape. I did show the tape. Put it on your website. I'll put it on. Put it on. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in the Biden administration? No, we would, we would we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. What about say stopping fracking and stopping yes. pipeline infrastructure yes. and, 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 exactly. and no new fracking? You got to transition away from it. You're going to ban fracking all across America right now, right? I would love to. Yeah, I'd love to too. I'd love to make sure we don't use any oil or gas. Period. Look in my eyes. I guarantee. I guarantee. We're going to end fossil fuel. We're going to end fossil fuel. There you go. That is as bad as uh, George Bush running against Clinton and saying, read my lips, no new taxes. Look in my eyes. I'm going to get rid of fossil fuels. So we've got frack gate. uh, (laughs) Although it won't. I mean, you know, the media 
as a whole. Okay, now the media is not one big thing in lockstep, but the media as a whole uh, is is not for Trump. So no. that will not get the traction that it should. Uh, you know, just like, you know, there was the other recent story that, that broke big. And I mean, it was it was practically squashed. I mean, it's like they weren't even trying to hide the fact they were squashing it. Oh, yeah. You're talking so, about Hunter Biden and uh, the right. president taking uh, or working on getting a 10 million dollar deal with China. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's it's uh, it's it's always been political theater. Right. To a certain extent. But this year, is it's almost like it's almost surreal watching things this year because it's just so much more obvious that the facts don't matter a lot of times. People people want what they want. They have their agenda. And if facts just fall on deaf ears, you know. Uh, and, and so we'll see if that, if that makes a difference or not. Uh, but, yeah, that was pretty dumb. For Biden, in, you know, to say we'll prove it, and and Trump's like, okay, here's the proof, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know what Biden was thinking if you know that kind of stuff was out there on record. Well, so, and then uh, he he was saying all of this, and then he ends up going into a whole thing about how I'm going to, I am going to trans uh, transition out of fossil fuels. We're gonna get rid of fossil fuels. When, yeah. you know, it, what, 100 years from now, you know, maybe yeah. if the technology is there, I'm not saying that there may not come a day, but I'm just saying when you look at all the products made with fossil fuels yeah. uh, and, and all that, it's more than just gasoline, you know, and diesel that we're talking about here. Well, that's the thing with, you know, uh, one of the differences between the the two main parties or you know whatever is generally we all want the same thing it's but how do we get there right we want people to be uh prosperous we want people to have medicine we want you know we don't want to use up all of our resources but it's do we do it in a logical way that helps everybody uh, and it actually can be done, or do we just make these idealistic pronouncements like California did, right? Where they're like, oh, what was it? We're getting rid of gasoline cars by this yep. date. Well, by 2035. What basing, yeah. What are you basing that date on? Is it, does it just feel good to throw that date out there? Of course it or, does. Or, yeah, or is it, just, or is it actually possible? But, you know, I, I, we'll see if frat gate goes anywhere. I, I love the part, and I'm being facetious here, where, uh, where Biden looked out into the, to the uh, audience and uh-huh. said, look, the lights are, he said, the lights are on, so I can't see everybody out there. But I want you to know, no matter what, there's nobody that's more for fracking than me. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, the, I'm your frat candidate right here. I'm so, the fracking yeah. king. Yeah, yeah, that that fracking debate. So we'll see if that goes anywhere. I doubt oh, it, it will. will. Let me tell. Well, t- let me tell yeah. you where it's going to go. It's going to yeah. go in sixty-second ads on television in Pennsylvania, <laughs> in Ohio, in uh, Texas, in Oklahoma, in states right. where well, fracking is big mm-hmm. and where millions of jobs uh, depend on fracking. That's where it's going to go. And I think last night, uh, just on that issue alone, the president has sealed the deal because of every 
route that I've seen for the vice president to win this race, he's got to take Pennsylvania. I don't think he takes Pennsylvania now. I think he loses Pennsylvania. You, you think, I mean, so, you know, all joking aside, you think Frack Gate is going to cost him Pennsylvania? Yep. All right. I don't see, we'll I see. don't see how it can't. I mean, it, it, uh, the, the governor wanted to stop fracking, if you remember, a couple of years ago. And his uh, numbers went so far south that he came back and said, well, you know, that's not. Yeah, I didn't maybe really. I, I didn't really. Yeah, maybe mean I was it. a little hasty. <laughs> yeah. I was a little, what I meant to say was. Yeah. 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 yeah that's exactly what he did. And uh, he's. He's pretty much recovered from it, and he's very, he's very much now, he's of the opinion we need fracking. Yeah, we he need fracking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I want to keep my head on my shoulders. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's interesting to me. That that's one of the interesting things about debates, because, you know, the cynical part of me says the debates don't really matter. People have already made up their mind. Uh, but then you have moments like this come out, like when – this isn't like saying I'm a good person or I'm a bad person or whatever. This is, this is a policy stance. Yep. Right. That's a, that's a substantial policy stance that involves, uh, you know, real, like involves jobs. It involves like how, how do we use our resources and all of that. And, and I guarantee you going into the debate, both sides uh, probably do not expect you know, fracking to, to play that strongly. Right. Uh So, uh, because, uh, you know, I really doubt they told Biden to say, prove it. If it comes up, no, that's, that's, that's Joe Biden being Joe Biden. Right. Well, you know, in the, in the Biden's weird, man, well, Biden's weird anyway, but, but Biden's debate personality is weird because in the vice presidential debate, you know, years back, uh, when he, he, I called him the cackler. Do you remember that debate? Like, I guess it was like eight years ago now or something where he was, he was in the vice presidential debate right. and he was like laughing and cackling the whole time. Yeah. And I, I was like, I was like, that is weird. Why would you act like that during a debate? I mean, during the debate and it, like ever since then, I've called him the cackler. And he was, you know, and, and he was uh, disrupting Ryan. Left and right. He jumped in on him. Yeah, constantly. It was so weird. But then, like, last night, he was, like, a completely different – he was almost like a mortician compared to that. So, you know, it was was interesting to see the the different debate styles. Uh, But I I will say that if – for anybody that thinks that Trump – now, Trump was still Trump in the fact that he was going to say what he had to say – in the, in the moderator trying to get him to stop, he's like, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep making my points." Uh-huh. That was still very much a factor. But you know, even like everybody, all the news agencies, no matter who you are, is saying that he was more like quote unquote civil and reserved last night. Right? Presidential so, is the word that they're pre- using. Presidential. So you know, when he needs to be, uh, you know, he he could he could you know do that. Uh, so that I think that was I, I hate the way that these debates are used like they're really artificial in a way that, you know, it's like, OK, you've got to win over this X segment of the population. So you have uh-huh. to act this way. But it's 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 a fact of life. And he was able to do it. 
you know. Uh, and and I thought he he even for the most part stayed pretty even headed when I, I would never have thought in my entire life I would see a portion of a debate where somebody's going after somebody personally on their taxes. Right. right? That's 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 not really an issue of it's not a policy. Right. It's not a policy issue. Uh, but I thought he handled himself pretty well. I mean, he was like, look, I paid my taxes in advance. How hard is that for people to understand? Right. Yeah. Um, $300 million, whatever. And, you know, he kept his cool, um, you know, and, and maintained, you know, the, the civil debate posture or whatever. So that impressed me. Yeah. It, you know, I- I sit back and I think about the first debate, and I, I do believe that what the president was trying to do was decouple Biden from the left. He was trying to, to, to drive a wedge between the vice president and, and the left, which he was able to do to a certain extent. However, a lot of it was lost uh, in the way that it was done. This time, right. he did exactly, I think, what he wanted to do. And uh, did it in a very controlled and analytical manner. Because, right. you know, I don't think you walked away from that debate and said, you know, both those guys are like the same. They're two peas in a pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's no, no. very stark differences in policy. And uh, what the president said was totally different from what the former vice president said. Right. And that, that you know. That's one thing you want to see, like, what's the difference? Who am I getting here? Whether I like these people or not, or who am I getting here? And I thought that Trump did a good job of saying, you're the politician, I'm not. You know, I'm not a politician up here. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to make a difference. You know, I'm trying to do what's good for the country. You know, and and on any good debate, points will be scored on both sides. Oh, yeah. Uh, And they were. But, but. yeah, but I, I think I think I think Trump did very well last night, um, you know, and and Biden. I don't know. He I, he almost came off like a mortician to me. You know, <laughs> I, know I've, I know I know I've said that before, but or already said that once today. But like one thing that I don't I don't want Biden for president. OK, I, I, I didn't want him for vice president, um, but but he seems to have sort of a genial you know, playing to the crowd, mugging, being good old friendly Joe. He's a politician. Yeah, I did not see that at all last night. At all. I mean, you know, he he seemed very severe last night almost. Yeah, it's because, and that's right, he he played to a dark future for our country. Mm, mm -hmm. A dark winter. Let's. uh, Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Let's talk about that more when we come back. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. This guy that's talking with me, Shane Stacks. You know him. You've heard him fill in for me before. You've heard his show that he had on the radio. Uh, you still can listen to his podcast. I'll tell you uh, how to do that when we come back as well. It's 621 in the morning. We've been talking about the debate here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 101.1 FM, The Answer. I never said I oppose fracking. You said it on tape. I did show the tape. Put it on your website. I'll put it on. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in the Biden administration? 
No, we would, we would we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. What about say stopping fracking and stopping yes. pipeline and yes. infrastructure and, pipeline. And, and, exactly. and no new fracking. You got to transition away from it. You're going to ban fracking all across America right now, right? I would love to. Yeah, I'd love to too. I'd love to make sure we don't use any oil or gas. Period. So look in my eyes. I guarantee. I guarantee. We're going to end fossil fuel. Look into my eyes. Look into my eyes. I want your blood. You know, I mean, yeah, no new fracking. The Belly, the Bella Lugosi moment for yeah. Joe Biden last night. He really look in my eyes. Uh, the other one that really got Biden is uh, when Biden went after Trump about the way they treated children on the border. And separating what is it, 500 plus kids uh, had right. come with their parents, blah, blah, blah. And they got separated from their parents, and it makes us a laughing stock and violates every notion of who we are as a nation. The president, to, to his, I got to tell you, he was ready for this one. Uh, this, was, this was a T ball moment. For President right. Trump, this was teed up. He, they had they they knew that Biden would bring this up, and uh, Trump looked right at the camera and said, "They did it. We changed the the policy." And he went in and mm-hmm. he looked, and then he looked over at Biden and he said, "Who built the cages, Joe?" Right. And, yeah, and, and Biden I- was like. What are you talking about? We weren't even talking about it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, how did that? Yeah, how did that rebound on me? Yeah. Uh, that's one thing, you know, uh, people went nuts over the, the quote-unquote kids in cages and the separations and all that. That was, I mean, that stuff was going on big time under the Obama administration. You know, that that was a total political theater that suddenly tried to get hung on the Trump administration. Oh, absolutely. The pictures yeah. that they were showing of the cages were pictures from right. uh, 2015 yeah. and, and whatever. It was during the Obama administration, for God's well, sake. And that's one thing that, you know, I, I don't know how to change it because human nature is human nature. But so much of this stuff is political theater. And people won't dig deeper, right? They want, they want, they. It's almost like they want to get angry. They want to get that little adrenaline burst from getting angry, and 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 you know, a lot of a lot of the stuff is is based on very shallow information. You know, up to the point like, I got I got disgusted with ABC. I even po- I posted something out about it, but ABC. I don't know if you saw this or not. You know how all the networks will have their you know, the graphics like presidential debate did or dug tonight. Yeah, right. They literally ABC had, you know, like uh, like when you when you're promoting a boxing match uh, and you have the two uh, opponents staring each other down face to face. Yes, yes. Or, or or the football matches, you have the two football helmets yes. rushing towards each other. ABC's promotional image was basically a boxing match poster of Trump and Biden staring each other down nose to nose. Oh, and, and, you know, it's like people you're, you're being manipulated. <laughs> Don't let people shake you up and like you like you're a crawdad in a jar to get you to fight. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, like that's almost yellow journalism, you know. And and my point is uh, that I'm trying to make is that, you know, don't. Don't fall into the trap. Like, 
the, the, the networks, the media, the ratings, they thrive on people being angry and upset because people are more likely to tune in on that than they are on little chirping birds. And, and there's plenty enough out there to be upset about in reality without you having to be manipulated into being upset. Right. So uh, and the, the whole reason I, I bring that up is because I think there's an art to watching debates. Right. You have to learn to discern the theater from the substantial stuff. Right. Uh, and when when Joe Biden uh, is going after Trump over taxes, that's theater. Right. They're just trying to rile up people's emotions. Yeah. But but when they talk about fracking or they talk about uh, health care. Those are real issues, is okay. the point I'm trying to make. And it, hold, yeah. hold your thought. Hold your thought. we yeah. got news. Let's go to the news here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Sean, uh, Shane, Shane Stax is with us. I said Sean. Shane Stax is with us here as well. Here is the best tweet of the night. This is from a Georgia uh, representative. Her name is Deshaun Kendrick did at the real Donald Trump just say 545 kids they can't find their parents for came over through cartels and coyotes. How the hell does a coyote bring a whole human across the border? Lord, (laughs) stop talking. (laughs) That was too good not to read today. I'm just telling you. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, you know, that is Trump's sort of shoot from the hip thing is, is we were talking during the break. It's it's a strength, but it can also be a weakness, right? Because it, it, there's this thing um, in debating or politics or whatever, it's called a tax surface, right? And this is why, uh, like, you know, we were talking about, I think, during the break that Biden declined to answer a very pointed question um, about the about the cages, uh-huh. It's because the less the less attack surface you have, you know, the 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 less chance people have something to hang on you. So yeah, when he throws stuff like that out, or or says like, uh, you know, uh, air kills all the birds, or windmills <laughs> kills all the birds, or whatever, then you know, I understand the point he's trying to make, but it just gives ammunition to people who don't care about the spirit of what he's saying, and they're just going to go after him no matter what. Well, um, I'll, you know, I'll say you know. this. One of the re- reasons Biden didn't answer questions in, in certain instances is because he knows his friends in the media will answer them we'll cover for, for him. him. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's got, I mean, there are a few media outlets out there that will try to be fair or that are, you know, pro-Trump or whatever. But Not the vast the big majority three. of the media and the social media is 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 giving Joe, the Biden com, Harris ticket, whatever, so much cover. It's not even funny. Yeah. Uh, free pass. You know? Yeah. And they're, you know, when you're on all these, so I mean, every social media site I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, uh, it, YouTube, they're all like vote, uh, go get, go vote, go get registered to vote. I, they, that is not, they don't want everybody voting. They're going no. after a specific, you know, because they've never done that in past, you know, elections. So, they're, you know, they're, they're getting so much free, uh, as they used to call it, um, was it Hearst that said puff up Graham? 
when he heard Billy Graham um, uh, speaking or, you know, preaching and said, puff him up, and he got in all the papers. Uh, Biden is, man, they're getting so, so much free wind in their sails. It's not even funny. Yeah, and um, by the way, if you, if you don't agree with Biden, they'll just take away your Twitter account. Yeah, yeah, they'll take away your Twitter account or they'll it's been I mean it's it's getting to where it's not even they're not even really trying to be delicate about it anymore. They're just like we're just going to do it and we'll we'll suffer the backlash. So, um anyway, yeah, so back to the cages. What was the uh you were we were talking a little bit during the break that oh, about the cages, he, yeah. Yeah, after, Trump asked the moderator. <laughs> yeah, after after uh they got done talking about it and he looked at at uh, Biden said, who built the cages, Joe? He then looked at uh, the uh, moderator and ran down what his uh, administration had done at the border and said, look, we took the people down and showed them the facilities and they're real clean and people are taken care of. Uh, but you need to ask him who built the cages. Ask who him the cages who built the, the cages, place. Joe. Yeah. And, the, and the cages were built by the Obama administration. Right. And and that's where, I mean, you know, that ties into uh, what, what I thought was one of the strongest moments. It sounds like the, the frat gate might be our strongest moment coming coming out of debate. But I, I thought one of the, the, the strongest moments was was when Trump told Joe Biden personally and politically I ran because of you. Yeah. Right. Like, like, like I ran because of you and, you know, your political history and your administration and, you know, uh, and, and I thought another strong moment was like, you say you're going to do all this stuff. And I know this has come up before in this election, but I, I thought he brought it up well again was when are you going to do it? Why yeah, haven't you, you already done it? You had yeah. 47 years as a sen- uh, in the in the House and the Senate and another eight years in the White House, and you never brought this stuff up. He really hammered him. He says, but wait, there was one thing you did. In 94, you, pay, you, you helped pass that Crime Act uh, where you, you were basically calling black people savage animals and stuff. Very powerful moment for the president. Yeah, the super predators thing. Yeah, super predators. I, it would be it. interesting if he could. Yeah, because Joe and I, and I read. You know, Joe's like, oh, I never said that. Even you know, I just saw he he kind of whispered that to himself during the debate when Trump brought it up. He went, I, "No, that's not true." Or I never said that, or something like that. And you know, so I've been you know, because everyone immediately fact checks, right? Everybody starts fact checking. Yeah. And I haven't seen anything equivalent to the fracking audio to, to show that, that Joe Biden really said that, but you can still see it in the spirit of a law that was passed. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, I, I will say, but to be fair, you know, if we're going to talk about the debate, I, I think that, that one of the stronger points for Biden, and, and, and unfortunately for him, this came early in the debate, Right. So if it would have come later in the debate, it might have helped the perception of how he did. Uh, the, the only thing I think that the Biden may have scored some good points with, like the American public as a whole, was the, the you know, his trying to hate, you know, even he had the black, the black mask, uh-huh. right? Uh, of course, it was a black mask, right? Like you know, the the you know the color of death or whatever uh, was you know when he went after 
Trump on the coronavirus. And right. that's that's a big divisive issue right now. So, you know, whether you agree with Biden or Trump or whatever, I, I think that, that Biden did score some points there. And Trump, I understand 100 percent where he's coming from. But this kind of, a lot of people won't understand what he's trying to say when he's like, look, 99 percent of something people recover. Right. I'm not I'm not going to shut down the entire country because of that. Right. right? But to a lot of people, that's going to sound very cold and callous. So uh, but I, I mean, I understand where he's coming from. He's like, look, as the as the buck stops of me is the commander in chief. When I look at the numbers, yeah, it's terrible, but I can't shut the whole country down. Uh, when 99% of people are recovering, right? And then and then Mortician Joe, you know, was like, well, the, the dark winter is coming. I'm surprised he didn't invoke um, uh, the Game of Thrones, winter is coming, you know, and <laughs> yeah, we're on no the kidding. wall, you know. No, and, he didn't you know, say I, winter is coming. Yeah. He said a dark winter yeah, is dark, coming. Yeah, dark winter. So I think that, I, I do think that, uh, out of every topic that came up last night, I, I think that's probably what landed on Trump probably the heaviest that they were wanting to go after him on. One thing I think that ricocheted on Biden was I, I thought I feel like that Trump made a very good case on you know because when they brought up like you know the health care and Biden care and this and that and the other. Trump's like, we're not trying to get rid of health care. We went after the individual mandate. You know, let's let's be clear here. You know, let me, he's, he invoked Obama. Let me, let me be clear. Uh, Got to be clear here. We're not trying to get rid of everybody's health insurance. Uh-huh. What we're trying to get rid is of this thing that if you don't buy insurance at a certain level, you get fined. Right. That's the only thing we went after. And I, and I think that in retrospect, you know, Biden's camp probably should not have wanted to be talking about health care last night because uh, yeah, uh, because yeah. because the bottom line is we know what the Democrat Party has been saying about health care. They want single right. payer health care. Right. And uh, Biden may think that he's the head of the Democratic Party. Sure, don't play that way in the news media with Pelosi running her mouth all the time. All right, it's a quarter right. to seven, and uh, Shane Stacks is with me. We w- will get back and talk further with him uh, in just a moment. But Get Around Jim is on the phone, wants to talk to us about the Hunter Biden situation. Hey, uh, Jim, what you got for us? Well, yes, sir. I wanted to talk to you about that, but uh, I, I think Joe Biden sucker punched himself with the oil, oil and gas exploration and stuff like that. You know, there's a third of this country that use home heating oil, and it, it, the dark winter that he's talking about coming, well, he just did it to them in Pennsylvania and that eastern seaboard up there. But uh, as for Hunter, uh, you know, this girl's attorney up here in Arkansas that's got the illegitimate child by uh, Hunter, he has been just beating everything again, you know, to the wall to get everything he could get for this girl. And then all of a sudden, all of this information comes out where he's made all of this money. Uh, you know, that, that guy was in the public eye a lot for her, uh, battling for her to help her have, get some money from this guy. Where is he at now? Why, why isn't he 
resubmitting all of this stuff because uh, child support stuff, court and things like that, that's fluid. If you make more money, they find out about it, that that, spy, that uh, mother of that child is entitled to more money. You know, I mean, Robert probably could tell us more about that uh, if he comes on. But uh, I, I really, I'd like to know where he's at because uh, this should be just, this should land right in his court and his bailiwick. He should be uh, beating it to the to, to a pulp. All right. Well, money. I'll ask Robert about that in the next hour when he joins us. But right now, i got to get a break in. Thanks a lot, Jim, for calling in here to the Dave Ellswick Show. Shane Stacks is my guest. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Amy uh, Coney Barrett when we get back. She's been passed out of the Judiciary Committee. She goes to the full floor, according to McConnell, the majority leader of the Senate, on Monday for confirmation vote. We'll talk about it when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, here we are back for the final segment already. This first hour has flown past. I uh, attribute that. Uh, well, I attribute that to uh, my good friend Shane Stacks, who has brought some very uh, perceptive and uh, uh, illustrative arguments to this hour and does, has done a great job. Uh, last night, Frank Lutz, after the debate, during the debate, you know, he has his, uh, his uh, focus group there with their little thing that they twist and the red and the blue lines go up and down the yellow line, which is the independence that moves around as well. Kind of give you a feel of how, what people are thinking uh, from his, his group. Here are the words that they use to describe Trump uh, during last night's d- debate. Controlled, reserved, poised, surprisingly presidential. Words to describe Mm. Biden were vague, unspecific, elusive, defensive, grandfatherly. Hmm. So so those were the words that were used. I mean, look, uh, Biden tried to make the whole election last night on character. He looked at the camera and said, this is about the character of America. No, it's not. It's about the policies that America will follow for the next four years. And uh, that, uh, you know, w- was evident as we listened to the debate uh, last night. But something else is going on, of course, here uh, in our country besides the debate. Uh, one of the big stories that right now has fallen off the front page and is sitting on probably page two right now. Uh, is the whole thing about a new Supreme Court justice uh, being given the uh, the thumbs up by the uh, Judiciary Committee, uh, and that is Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, the story uh, that's out there uh, is that, uh, you know, of course, the Judiciary Committee, the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, passed her out. Uh, the Democrats didn't show up, uh, and so... Uh, Graham just said they're not there. They're not voting. So it was a 12 all a 12 a 12 uh, all positive vote, he said, uh, for Amy Coney Barrett. And it's been turned over now uh, to the um, majority leader of the Senate, 
and that is Mitch McConnell. And Mitch McConnell says they're going to take a vote on Monday, Shane. Uh, This will be one of the fastest votes that we have seen in probably uh, the last, uh, you know, 20 years, at least since, uh, you know, we had, uh, what's his name? Uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot. His name is Joe Biden as the head of the Senate (laughs) Judiciary Committee uh, when uh, Teddy Kennedy tore up uh, uh, Bork and then went after uh, Thomas as well. Let's Let's just start calling him from now on Frack and Joe. So yeah, Frack and um, Joe. Frack and Joe, either that or old Morty Joe, Mortician Joe. Um, so that's odd to me I, I, that the Democrats didn't show up. I, do you think it's because they, well, everyone's well, here, just trying to save the... Yeah. Here, here's the reason. If they yeah. just read the first line of the bylaws... Uh, then they thought that they they could stop a vote because it says that you have to have a quorum and two members of the minority party present to vote. Except that after that, it says, except if nobody from the minority party doesn't show up, uh, the chairman can go ahead uh, with the with the uh, the vote. And as Tom Cotton said on my show yesterday, you can't let the minority party hold the majority party hostage by not showing up. Right. And I, you know, that, you know, that's one thing like whether whether the party I like is in power or not, if you're the majority power or the majority party, you worked hard to get there. Use that authority. Right. I mean, so if if they're if they followed the bylaws and they followed the rules, they did. then it sounds to me it sounds to me like a tactic backfired on the Democrats. Then either that or they just said, you know, this is a lost cause and we're trying to save this election year or something. I don't know. And just said, we're just going to put our energies there. I have no idea. I'm completely speculating. But my guess would be that they were like, if nobody shows up, they can't have the vote. And you know, then, what, what, you know, <laughs> what's interesting is that Fox fell into this whole thing. I mean, in their own article, uh, they didn't read the bylaws either because it, he said uh, uh, Senator Graham has broken the rules of the committee to move forward with a vote on Judge Barrett to rip away health care from millions. And that's a typical statement that you'd hear from Schumer. Uh It says, despite Democrats boycotted the Judiciary Committee's vote on Barrett, Chairman Lindsey Graham pushed forward with the vote, resulting in a 12-0 turnout. But under the committee rules, at least two members of the minority party must be present in order for there to be a quorum to transact business. That's if you just read that one sentence that they're reading. If you read after that sentence, it says that the majority party can push ahead and take a vote. And if nobody shows, if if the 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 minority party, if they abdicate their interest in the position or their, you know, they they basically gave up their right to have a say by not showing up at all is what happened. So that that clause was written in there wisely to keep that sort of thing from happening. Absolutely. To, to To keep a boycott from putting something into indeterminate, you know, just in limbo. Sounds I agree. Me. As as Obama said, elections have 
consequences, and they'll have consequences coming up here in November. Have you voted yet? No, I tend to wait till voting day. Um, oh, okay. Or election. I tend to wait till election day. Uh, so I have not voted yet, but I see that uh, I see everybody's getting those cool styluses. Yeah, that's what I got. I had my picture uh, with mine uh, on yeah, my I Facebook yesterday. Yeah. So. Is it because is it a digital screen, so they're yes. giving you a stylus to vote it's with? Touch, okay. It's a touch screen, so you don't have to touch yeah. the screen. You know, it's all oh, COVID-19 stuff, you know. It's it's as safe as you can get, I'm just telling you. Yeah. I showed up. I gave them my, uh, my uh, uh, driver's license. They put it in their little machine. Then they wiped off my driver's license and gave it back to me. And then I went over to vote, and I got my I had my stylus. It was taken out of a, I reached into a bag and took it out and went over and voted. Then I put my card in the machine after I had voted. My votes were tabulated and I walked out. I was in my mask the whole time, safe and sound as they go. Shane, thanks. We're out of time. I'll let you go. Go back to bed. Get some more sleep. (laughs) The Dave Ellswick Show continues at 7 o'clock. Robert Steinbeck and Chris Corbett right around the corner. Get into the uh, seven o'clock hour here of the Dave Ellswick show, and uh, you who are heading into work got to be there at eight o'clock. Uh, you know, relax as you're driving, let your road rage, you know, fade away. And uh, we've got a good lineup for you during this hour. Robert Steinbach is with us. He, of course, is a law professor over at uh, the Bowen School of Law. Uh, his opinions are his or his alone. Josh Silverstein is here as well, also a law professor, if I'm not mistaken. And his opinions are his and his alone and do not necessarily reflect that of what's going on at the uh, school law or at the university. Also with us, Chris Corbett, a a practicing attorney from Conway. Uh, His uh, specialty uh, is in engineering, but he takes on all kinds of law cases. He joins us uh, on our panel this morning on the Dave Ellswick Show as well. I asked Josh to be with us today because I I wanted to make a, a point, and that is even though you might might disagree on other issues, uh, you can come together agreeing on on a separate issue and work together uh, uh, for that issue. And and Josh, as as I am, is against issue one. Now, my main reason about being against issue one is that, one, it is a tax, uh, a half-cent tax that was supposed to sunset and go away. And that's not what they're allowing it to do. And then number two, and most importantly, they want to make this tax part of our state's constitution. And, Josh, unless I'm mistaken, the only other time that has happened is the three-quarter cent tax that was passed and uh, made part of the constitution for the Arkansas game 
and fish department. Now, there's rules and, and things of that nature about how you can pass a tax, but it's not making it a part of our state constitution, and I have real problems with that, and I, I personally think we need to get rid of the three-quarter cent tax uh, the way it has been uh, used uh, for the Arkansas game and fish. But let's start off with issue one. I voted yesterday. I voted against issue one, two, and three. I know my listeners always want to hear how I voted. I'm not saying that's how you should vote. You should do your own study. You should sit down and know the facts of uh, why you're voting against somebody or against something and not just take my word for it. But I'm just telling you, bad bad laws in one, two, and three. And I'll talk about three a little bit at the end of this first half hour. But let's go to Josh Silverstein. And Josh, you're against issue one as well. And you and I politically are pretty far apart. I think you make a really important point, And that is that we've got an extraordinary coalition of organizations from across the political spectrum that are opposing issue one. We've got Tea Party organizations and the Libertarian Party on the right and environmental and neighborhood organizations in Little Rock on the left all coming together against this tax because, as you put it, whatever our disagreements, we agree on this. And you make another really important point about the constitutional issue. Constitutions are designed to set the basic structure of government and our fundamental rights. They are not designed to deal with day-to-day tax policy issues. They can set the structure, as you noted, for when you can do a tax, but they're not designed to have specific taxes. And so I think that's one of the most important objections to this tax, is that it would be permanently placed in our Constitution, which is a very bad idea. Yeah, I definitely think that. Uh, you feel the same way, Robert, and you too, Chris. Let's get Robert in first, and then, Chris, we'll let you finish it up. Go ahead, Robert. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Here's the really interesting part about it. As you know, Josh is a friend and colleague of mine, and he's a tax-and-spend liberal, and he's against this. So when the lefties and the righties are against a big tax for Arkansans, you know it's a train wreck. Who's in favor favor of it? Corporatists. Big government. Uh The swamp. That's who's in favor of it. Okay. Chris? Yeah, so if you look back 10 years ago, um, and I'm a former highway employee, and um, when when they passed the initial, let's call it, uh, what they said was a temporary tax, for 10 years, when they passed it in uh, November of 2012, it, it it allowed the public to think, oh, this will be temporary. Okay, we can do this temporarily. Well, now look at us now. They want to make it permanent. It's a big, fat no on issue one. All right. So there we've heard uh, three different persons. You've heard me as well. And I'm a person, so we'll say four people all say no on issue one. Uh, there's a lot of people that are saying, well, look, uh, you know, we want good highways. Well, I want good highways, too. But as I always say on my show, you can legislate and get good highways or you can tax. The cheap way of doing it is just to spend money on something instead of legislating something, doing the heavy Can I lifting. answer that, Dave? Yeah, go ahead. Dave, here's – if – 
loving people produced wonderful outcomes, we would have the best of everything everywhere. That the government collects money doesn't mean it's well spent when the government collects money through the Constitution so that there's no oversight by the legislature, I guarantee you it won't be well spent. So the fact that they're going to tax you more doesn't mean you get better highways. In fact, this process will inevitably result in you getting worse highways. Can I jump in on that too, Dave? Yeah, jump right in, Josh. One of my specific examples of the concern that Rob just raised is that the Arkansas Department of Transportation has been a runaway, unaccountable agency wasting money on unnecessary projects. And the classic example is the 30 Crossing expansion, which is going to waste a billion dollars that could be spent elsewhere to improve roads where there's genuine need. So I think you're right. We all want good roads, but if RDOT would stop wasting money on unneeded projects, we would have more than enough money. And I'll also add that even if there were an argument that RDOT should be provided more money for roads, there's a much better way to fund the roads than a sales tax. We should be increasing use taxes like fuel taxes. This state has the second highest sales tax in the country, but we're in the 30s when it comes to gasoline and diesel taxes. That's where the money should be raised from, if we're going to raise more money at all, which I don't think we need if RDOT would stop being wasteful. All right. Chris, you got anything you want to throw in there? Man, being an engineer and professional engineering and um, and civil engineering and working at the Howard Department back in 2000, uh, Josh is 100% right on that. You want to tax the people that use the roads. That's the people that are buying fuel and um so that that makes complete sense if you're using the roads and you're buying the gas then you get to pay for it um now there's some big questions about electric cars and that kind of jazz but um yeah this is not the way to do it and give what he said the highway department this runaway department that has no um change to the to the legislative powers of the purse right um they're going to be free if this passes they're going to be free to do what they want to with the money all right let's take a break it's a quarter after seven uh josh silverstein joining us today he uh is part of the dave ellswick show to show you that uh there's people from every political spectrum uh, against uh, issue one, and we'll talk further about it in uh, just a moment. Hey, don't forget about my friends over at uh, uh, PI Roofing. They're ready uh, to take care of your roof, and uh, they will do it in such a way uh, that uh, you get your buck's worth out of it. You know, you get the biggest bang for your buck because they deal with your insurance company. They get with the appraisers. They get up on your roof. They say, here's what's wrong. They show the appraisers. The appraisers have to say they agree. If they don't, then nothing moves forward. Uh, But as far as I know, uh, every time I've been involved with the folks from PI Roofing, the appraisers have seen it just like they have. Uh, I'm going to have to get another roof next year. I, uh, it's been about 12 years since my last roof, almost 13, and uh, they're going to do it for me again. They just do a great job. And it should be the last roof I ever have to put on my house because just the uh, warranty on the shingles alone now is 30 years. So you don't have to worry about if the shingles go bad, about paying for them again. 
If it, they fall in underneath that warranty, you're going to get those shingles uh, at no charge to you. So call uh, PI Roofing. Use the same number I do. I mean, I don't get special treatment. It, it's 807-3551. Let me say it one more time. 707 707- 3551 to get a hold of Joel Johnson and his crew at PI Roofing, or you can do it on the internet. And by the way, they, they follow all the social distancing guidelines, masks, and all of that. Go to piroofing.com. You can work with them as well there. All right, back at 721. We've got uh, Josh for another uh, eight minutes here. And uh, we want to use those eight minutes as, as best we can. So, uh, Josh, a lot of the things that you say that you stand against for issue one are the exact same things uh, that I stand against. I mean, I'm I'm of the opinion, and I've always said this, that the the easy way out is the tax. The heavy lifting is to legislate to work and to change things around and to make sure the money is available for the programs that you want. You want a program? Okay. I don't. Th- I think there's enough money going to government that we've got the money to take care of the programs that we have. If you, if you want to take and move that money around, then legislate it around. Get enough people to agree to it and legislate it around. Don't say, well, we don't want to pass a tax. What we'll do is we'll put it on the ballot and we'll let the people decide. What a cop-out. Do you agree with that, Josh? I generally agree with that. As I said, RDOT is wasting massive amounts of money, and if that agency were more accountable, there would be plenty of funding for the vast majority of the projects that people are concerned about. And I think you're right that oftentimes when things are sent to the people, it's because legislators don't want to take responsibility for the decision. Why are they there? The people elected them to make those kinds of decisions, not to put it back into their uh, in their lap and say, "Okay, what do you want to do? Supposedly, you as a legislator have the people that come to you and give you all the typical facts that you need to make a wise and trusted decision. Exactly. And especially when it comes to day-to-day tax policy. Absolutely. It's one thing if we're going to refer something to the people that's going to fundamentally alter or impact the structure of government or add to our fundamental rights. But for day-to-day tax policy, that should be handled inside the legislature. That's why we send them to the Capitol in this state and every other. Yeah, and I want everybody to know it's not... That's not just an argument Democrats make. That's an argument that independents, even some libertarians, and and Republicans make all the time. You know, they want to they want to be pilot and stand up in front of the crowd and say, "I wash my uh, hands of this decision." You know, that's 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 what drives me crazy. It really does. So, Robert, what's your what's your feeling? I feel like. Things as I talk to people, and I just don't talk to to uh, people that think identically like I in lockstep. Uh, I've not met anybody who voted for issue one. Uh, I'm thinking that the tide has turned on this, and all the millions of dollars being spent on ads that are being paid by uh, 
the asphalt and, and cement and makers of uh, Arkansas uh, who will benefit from this particular piece of uh, legislation uh, is losing steam. Now, how do you feel about that? And, Josh, I want to hear from you, too, because I know you're working with Americans for Prosperity. Uh, you guys, I'm sure, have some internal polling going on. Are, are, you, are you finding that things are, are moving our way? First with you, Robert, what do you think? My person who supports Issue 1, and as you point out, who supports Issue 1, big industry. I'm not a fan of voting for bills that tax the public to the benefit of big industry. When was that a good idea? When was that a Republican idea? When was that a pro-people idea? Issue one is a train wreck. If you vote for issue one, you might as well be stabbing yourself in the leg with a fork. Both of them make about the same uh, um, body of sense. They are foolishness at the apex. You are voting against your own self-interest, you're voting against democracy, and you're voting against a representative government if you vote for issue one. You're voting for a corporate takeover of government if you vote for issue one. Issue one is bad news. Yeah. Chris? Yes. What's your thoughts you know, on I'm this? listening... Well, so it's interesting to put some background on this. So they set the Howard Department up with these five commissioners from different parts of the state, and the objective was to keep them, to keep building roads out of the political arena. They didn't want to make building a road or rehabbing a road political, right? And But but now what it's turned into is that now we've got a runaway body, as Josh explained it, it is. They spend a lot more money on new construction than they do on taking care of the roads that they have. That's one of the main arguments I've heard. And um, if you just give them more money, they're going to go spend it on new construction. And then where do you want those new roads? You know, I'd like a highway to El Dorado. Um, All the money's being spent in downtown Little Rock and northwest Arkansas, but all Arkansas are paying for those roads, and they're not getting the benefit in some of these other states, other parts of the state. Um, so it needs to be reworked before they go and try to put a permanent tax in place that the you know the, the elected officials aren't going to have a say over where that money goes or right. how it's spent. So, Josh, let me just ask you, how's your feeling about uh, the support to vote down issue one is going? Uh, I get the feeling that uh, as Arkansans find out more and more about this, they become more and more get a bad taste in their mouth about it and will vote no. Uh, can you share anything with us from uh, what you and, uh, you know, uh, Americans for Prosperity and other groups have come up with? I'm sure you've done some internal polling, haven't you? The only polling I'm aware of are the general polls that were done by Hendricks and Talk Business and Politics. And what those polls have showed is we're moving in the right direction, but we're probably still behind. The first poll had about 69% supporting issue one. The second poll had dropped to 59. And I think part of the problem is that the issues tend to get lost 
in all of the other electoral politics we're seeing, especially in a presidential election year. But I also think you're right that as more and more people are learning about it, as groups on the left and the right, as the young Democrats just came out against this tax, as we're all getting the message out, more and more people are joining us. But I do think we have a lot of work left to do over the next two weeks. All right. We got 11 days. We got to change. We got to change minds. That's what we got to do. And let's hope that uh, issue one does not become, uh, you know, law. We just I just don't want to see that in the in the Constitution. And I can't believe uh, a Republican leading the state wants that as well. But evidently uh, he does. Josh, let me thank you for your half hour. I promised you a half hour, and that's where I'm going to keep it at. And we'll let you go. And then uh, Robert and Chris, when we come back, we'll talk uh, some different uh, information about uh, the debate last night. One of my favorite parts was uh, in the uh, audio I'll play for you about the uh, uh uh, the debate was about uh, fracking, and the last part is uh, Joe Biden doing his best Bella Lugosi, uh, telling a, uh, a lady, look in my eyes. I'm going to get rid of the oil industry. I'm going to I'm going to redo that. I'm going to I'm going to get I'm going to get rid of the oil industry and I'm going to take the piece with Bella Lugosi saying, look into my eyes and then have. I'm going to get rid of the oil industry. All right, we'll talk about all of that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, We've got Rush ready to talk uh, for a few moments and give us his insights on an issue that he thinks is important to you. So uh, let's get to that. Then we'll get back and we'll talk the debate. Got to talk about that. And we got to talk about Barrett. She's out of the Judiciary Committee and on to the Senate. All right, we continue. Let me remind you about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. 3000 Cavanaugh right here in Little Rock. Eric Coleman owns the business, been there for years now. He is an artisan. He's, he's a jeweler, of course. He's a gemologist. He could talk to you about diamonds, about colored gemstones, about, you know, just rocks that they can take and polish them and make them look beautiful. He can talk all of that with you and can tell you what is a real diamond and what is a Chinese facsimile and knockoff. And if you're going on the Internet and looking for diamonds, you're looking in the wrong places. I mean, there was a song that was out many years ago said, looking for love in all the wrong places. You're looking for diamonds in all the wrong places when you go on the Internet and look for them. Because the Chinese now... Uh, making these diamonds uh, basically uh, just out of uh, you know glass or or just making them fake out of uh, whole cloth, and they've even got to the point that now they put the number on the diamond like they always used to do just for the real diamonds. Now the Chinese, they don't have any problem. They don't have any qualms at all. They just put those numbers on uh, their fake diamonds and sell them to you for thousands of dollars when they're worth tens of dollars uh, and uh, making big money off of you because uh, they mislead you. And you. And I And I say to you, would the Communist Chinese Party do that? Absolutely. And Eric knows they will. And he can save you a whole lot of money. And he's got 
uh, a lot of diamonds uh, that are just in his cases that he can show you. You pick one. Uh, if you need a different cut, they can do that. They can design the ring that you want on a computer so you can get a 3D image of it. And it will be absolutely unique to the person that you're buying the ring from. You don't have to worry about sitting down uh, at dinner or a soiree somewhere and the lady next to your wife has the exact same ring on her finger because they both bought it from a diamond place whose first name starts with a, with a letter, like K. You know, I mean, that's uh, what we're talking about here. Call up Eric and make an appointment to sit down and talk to him. Get the best for the best person in your life. 501-246-3655 is the number. 501-246-3655. All right, guys. So last night, one of the big, big, big parts of the uh, debate was when Trump and, uh, and Biden got talking about fracking. And let me just play some of that for you right now. I never said I oppose fracking. You said it on tape. I did show the tape. Put it on your website. I'll put it on. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in the Biden administration? No, we would we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. What about say stopping fracking and stopping pipeline infrastructure? No new fracking. You got to transition away from it. You're going to ban fracking all across America right now, right? I would love to. Yeah, I'd love to too. I'd love to make sure we don't use any oil or gas. Period. Look in my eyes. I guarantee. I guarantee. We're going to end fossil fuel. We're going to end fossil fuel. There you go. He asked Whoa. for it, and he got it in spades. No doubt about that. That's that's what's on Trump's website right now, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who's sharing it with people at this time. Dave, here's the the credit we need to give to Joe Biden when people call him a liar for saying diametrically opposed things on stage last night when he claimed I didn't say I would ban fracking and he said go put it up put up the video if you got it and of course you just played it the president put it up it's a wash over Twitter etc but Here's where we need to give Joe Biden credit. He's not lying because he doesn't remember. He can't remember what he had for breakfast. So that's not a lie. That's just further evidence of his dementia. Let's be, let's be fair to, to Oatmeal Joe. He doesn't know what's going on. It's a, it, it, I'm just telling you, you listen to that, that last little segment, look in my eyes. I'm getting rid of the oil and gas industry. And the pot, that, that takes me back to uh, Bush Sr. when he was running against Clinton and looked at the camera and said, read my lips, no new taxes. And then turned right this, around and voted for a tax increase. This staring into the camera thing that Joe Biden does frankly, I find a little off-putting. It's a little creepy the way he does it. And you know where that comes from? That comes from insider Washington self-appointed experts on how to campaign. There's some book buried under a dust 
dust jacket in someone's closet that says the way to win a debate is to talk into the camera directly to the people. I'm looking at a TV set. I'm not looking at Joe Biden. He's not talking to me. He's not in the same room as me. The whole thing's a little bit creepy. It's only slightly less creepy (laughs) than when Joe puts his hands on the shoulders of some candidate, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, here's the key. The only time, uh, and this is from my personal uh, study of this, that you look in the camera and you address the people on the other side of the third eye is when it is really, really, really important. I mean, if he wanted to look into the camera and he said, listen to what I'm saying, no fracking. Or if you wanted to look into the camera and say, yes, we'll continue to frack. But he doesn't say that. That's not what he does. He talks in in generalities, and that's when you look at Frank Luntz, and he puts down uh, the words that his uh, his group writes down for each candidate. And under Biden last night, it was unspecific, vague generalities. Those are the things that were there and grandfatherly. In other words, old. Those are the things uh, that they remembered about uh, about Biden for the president. It was presidential, uh, you know, straight shooter, those types of words. And uh, so this bottom line, Trump won that debate last night, hands down. And he may have he may have won Pennsylvania and Ohio in the process. And I've not seen any maps by any of these talking heads. You know how they get up in front of a map and they go, well, if Biden wins this state and this state and that state and this state, that's his road to the to the presidency. That's where he gets his two. Right. Uh, and uh, none of those. Uh, if if he doesn't get Pennsylvania, he don't win. And I don't. Th- I think last night. I think he shot himself not in the foot but in the head uh, with this whole thing about fracking with uh, Pennsylvania voters. Well, if he shot himself in the foot, he'd do more damage to himself than if he shot himself in the head. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! That's brutal. Yeah, that is brutal. Gosh, I'm I, I not even Trump that brutal. The yeah. <laughs> well, when I he walks in a big wind, you can hear the whistling from between the ears. <laughs> <laughs> there he goes, man. Yeah. So go ahead, Chris. You were saying. I just think I think Trump won the debate. I think the points that stuck out in my head were, one, who built the cages? Two, he looked at Joe and said, Joe, you're off talk and no action. He's like, you're why I ran. You're yeah. why I got elected. It was huge. Yeah, that was a big, <laughs> big moment. Point. You're the reason yeah. I've... I ran is because you're just a typical politician, all talk, no action. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't get you don't get anything done except. And then he caveated on that. He said, except for the 1994 crime bill. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Wham. That was a big hit. That was a big hit as well. Where you talked about uh, uh, black men being super predators. Woo. Woo. I'm just yeah. telling you, but, just telling you, it was not a good night for uh, for Joe, you know, 
What was it that? Uh, think so. Uh, see, uh, what was it that Paul Simon said about uh, John and Joe? I mean, he's talking about Joe DiMaggio, but uh, we could use that as, as some mon- uh, music from him uh, about Joe Biden. Although I've not heard much from Simon and Garfunkel lately. <laughs> I think people kind of forgotten about about them as far as are they alive? Go. Yeah, they're still alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're still alive. I hadn't heard anything about either one of them passing yet. And when they pass now, everybody will be talking about them when they pass. No doubt. Sure. Because they were so sounds of silence and uh, uh, I am a rock or two of the biggest uh, rock songs ever written. Uh, Probably two of the top 10 songs ever written uh, for uh, uh, for rock and roll. Guys, it's a quarter till it's a quarter till eight. When we come back, I want to talk about a local race. Uh, David Allen Bubbas, uh, better known as one of the uh, uh, the sons of uh, David, who started David's Burgers, uh, is running for election. And I want to mention that so that people, uh, you know, how it all, you know, can go as far as uh, that's concerned. So let's let's talk about that when we get back. We'll be back in just a moment. Quick break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. So. Uh, David Allen Bubbas is running for the at-large Little Rock seat. Uh, uh, his, uh, which one is it? Analyze uh, directors, voters would choose uh, for the position nine seat is what it is. Here's the people who are running. David Allen Bubbas and uh, uh, the David should be very familiar to you. David's Burgers. He is the owner of of the David's Burgers, uh, a chain with nine stores in central Arkansas. And then the other people are Tom Horton, 69-year-old retired pharmacist. Uh, and also we're looking at Leron Mikado, 49, uh, saying that he's affected change through education, through activism and protest, and through art and music. Uh, Ron Muse is a professor with a background in cultural anthropology, said listening and observation as well as note-taking and analysis would be among his strengths as a city director. Uh, Also, Dale Peeker, a 70-year-old retired economist, decided to run for office first and foremost because of a discovery about Kamek Village and the Little Rock Fire Department. Uh, Antoine Phillips, 36, running for a city board is something he's wanted to do for a long time. Uh, Glenn Schwartz, a perennial candidate for public office who advocates for marijuana discrimination, uh, decriminalization, will appear on the ballot as Thorium Glenn Schwartz. Uh, uh, that, that's what he's just appearing as. I don't get the Thorium. But those are the people that are running for the at-large uh, places. Uh, I would assume that uh, after it's all over, whoever has, uh, the if you if you got more than 50%, uh, then you win. Uh, if you don't, then it would be you and the next highest vote-getter in a runoff. Uh, is that the, the way to understand it? I mean, this is your, uh, your area, uh, Mr. Steinbach. 
actually funny you mentioned that because I was talking with Chris just uh, before we came on about that. And I think that's right in terms of the runoff, but I'm frankly not particularly sure. And that's why, why don't we just all go out and do the right thing up front and vote for David Allen Bubba's of David's Burgers. By the way, David was a student of mine. He's a lawyer. He's a lawyer and a businessman uh, who owns a chain of fantastic hamburger restaurants. It started in Conway. There are plenty in Little Rock area as well, as you know, uh, and certain other areas within central Arkansas. And David Allen Bubbis is by far the most qualified person and the most right and correct thinking person uh, to run for city council in decades for Little Rock City Council, which is generally populated by a bunch of left wing uh, wind nuts. And you heard some of it in Dave's description of the things that these people are thinking about. They're thinking about playing music and, um, you know, uh, putting uh, incense on. David Allen Bubbas is a businessman. He, as he, as you said, he served the people by serving them burgers, uh, at least uh, so far. And he will serve the people by being on the city council. He knows the law because he's a lawyer, so he's not going to be bulldozed like so many of these city council people who don't know what's going on. And he will stand up to the abuses that we have seen repeatedly by this mayor in terms of being anti-police, bringing bringing in an outsider to be our police chief who's just been a train wreck, who can't get out of his own way, who's being sued by a handful of senior executives in the police department because he has no support from the police and he's got no support from the people. So if you support Mayor Scott, well, then vote for one of the other hacks. But if you support conservative ideas pro-business and pro-worker and economic ideas, then vote for David Bubbis, because he's the only candidate on the ballot that is going to grow the economy and push back against the leftist ideology of this out-of-control mayor. You know, you make a a valid point, is that what Little Rock needs just about above everything is some businessmen who can get in and help uh, the city dig themselves out of a financial hole uh, that they've been part of for many, many, many years. And uh, uh, good businessmen like Bubba's would be a, a good way to go in that direction. I'd be, I'll be honest, I don't know that much about uh, all the other candidates. Uh, one of the gentlemen said that the reason he's running is because he wants to support the police and fire department. So sounds like he's speaking a little bit of my lingo as far as that goes. But I do know David Allen Bubbas, and he is a, a, a very thoughtful and good businessman. And as you said, Robert, uh, he is a lawyer, and uh, he knows an, the law so that he doesn't get bamboozled by, uh, you know, stupid stuff that this mayor uh, tends to do. Uh, from time to time. Chris, you want to jump in on this as well? Yes, absolutely. Bubbas is the only choice for me. Um, it's not just because he or colleagues as lawyers. That's a great 
um, uh, you know, training in your mind to understand both sides. So he's going to be fair sitting on city council, but he's got a successful business, right? He knows how to run a business. He knows how to uh, manage a budget. He knows how to uh, uh, deal with long, uh, uh, you know, drive-through lines. These are things that he's he's taken. It's okay. We got to do this. We got to do that. He's going to take those same business abilities and apply them to the city. And we see something outrageous or just plain stupid that the city of Little Rock's doing that hurts its citizens, the oppressive uh, business licensing regime that the city employs. Bubba's is going to put a stop to that because he's pragmatic. He's a successful business owner, nine locations. He's growing that business and, and through no help of the government, right? They tax him. They got the hamburger tax he's dealing with. And I think he's going to get in there and do a fantastic job. So I hope he gets elected. And, and by the way, he doesn't have to do this. He, it's going to be a lot of time away from making money. He wants to make the city of Little Rock better. And we need a change. And Bubba's can do it. He's got the training. He's got the experience. He's young. And what we don't need is some retired folks going, oh, I'm retired and I can come help the city. No. Well, who's not for the firemen and who's not for the police? Um, Bubba's is going to take care of the city if he gets elected. I got to say this. I mean, a lot of people may vote for him just because they like, like his burgers here. He's got a location in Cabot uh, over on yeah. 89 that I that I frequent uh, quite often. And I now that we've been talking about it, my mouth's watatering. So I think I, 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 I will I will make my way over there for lunch today. And I'm not going to have the hamburger today, though, guys. I'm going to have the chicken steak that they make they make <laughs> the best, man they make the best chicken steak over at david's burgers of any place i have ever been uh, ever been they season it correctly it's just wonderful what they do at david's burgers with that guys we're out of time for this hour it went fast i mean really fast uh, had a lot to be uh, said about issue one and and now about the uh, at large uh, opening that they have on the city council when we come back let's talk about uh, some things nationally as well again uh, amy coney barrett uh, was voted out of the uh, senate judicial committee yesterday uh, we'll talk about what the uh, democrats tried to do and it didn't work and now the uh, majority leader says the vote is impending on monday so we'll talk about that as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach and Chris Corbett, my guests, uh, hosts with me. Uh, 8.30, Matt Smith will be around. We'll talk movies. It's still to come uh, at 6 o'clock tonight uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. The live segments are done. We'll talk to you at 6 when we get back uh, on the air here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. Let's get going here in the 6 o'clock hour as Robert Steinbach, 
uh, joins me. Robert is a law professor at the uh, Bowen School of Law, UALR, and uh, his opinions are his and his alone and do not necessarily represent those of the school or of the university. Also, Chris Corbett is with me here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He is a uh, lawyer in Conway and uh, also is a... uh, you know, a, a guy who does engineering, uh, as you've heard on the show before, he's talked about how he worked with the highway department. And I'm assuming that was as an engineer. Is that correct, uh, Chris? 100 percent correct. I worked in the uh, planning and research section and we got to play with all the new engineering toys. Wow, that's very cool. So, yes. you know, we yeah, can one, talk. Of the, one of the main we, things I did was uh uh, maintain the smoothness for new highways. We would measure the smoothness of the new highways, and we would pay contractors a bonus based on the smoothness. How about that? That's pretty cool. Were you all the ones responsible for, uh, like, going, you know, 67, 167 at one time was just horrible you'd ride on and it was down the road you know and then they came in and they like ground off the top layer and they put something on the road and it was as smooth as a baby's butt was that something that you were you worked on when you were at the highway department oh yeah oh absolutely that's uh mainly the work of a professor that's now the dean up at the engineering school. It's called Superpave. It's a uh, asphalt mix that um, rivals, um, you know, smoothness. I mean, just it's, asphalt's always been smoother than concrete. Right. Um, just driving the roads, you may not have realized they've got some out of asphalt and some out of concrete. And Superpave is what you're talking about. Super and um, that asphalt. Yeah, super paved. That stuff is Chris, good. Chris, weren't people tell you. flying off the highways with super paved because it's slick? You know that was um, that they thought that like maybe it wasn't draining right or but uh, but no that was never. Uh, there was a lawsuit about that. A, a prominent um, I can't remember his name, but a very unfortunate situation. A prominent executive at Axiom. Um, slid off the highway there on 167 and there was a lawsuit and it wouldn't prove that it was because of super pave but um but yeah roads can be slick especially when it starts just starts raining you know that just that that small drizzle on it um it, it can it can be problematic but it wasn't because of super pave yeah you, got you know dust, super fa- dust, pave dust, is my favorite of all of the x-men <laughs> yeah. Ah, super bad. You know, um, it, it's a. Yeah, I tell you what. But here's here's the deal. We beat up on the highway department a little bit, but there are pockets of excellence in the highway department. There are some smart people there. They're the largest employer of civil engineers in the state. Um, I wish some of the civil engineers would get more involved in the professional groups, the American Society of Civil Engineers and the National Society of Professional Engineers. Um, but they don't, unfortunately. Um, but um, they've got a hard job over there, and uh, um, they do what they can. But, but giving them uncontrolled uh, spending powers is not what needs to happen, right? Well, um, that's not that's – not- what's necessary in any branch of government 
You know, the exactly. people have to have some way of, of controlling that or they'll bleed us dry. We will die from the death of a thousand cuts. In, in our case, oh, yeah. a thousand taxes. I mean, they're doing that with sales tax as it is right now. Oh, sales tax is so high. People need to look at the look at the tax when you go buy one of Bubba's hamburgers, right? Yeah. Look at the tax on that thing. It's like what thirteen percent now. Yeah. Look at look well, at the tax they have that on your cell phone. Hamburger tax built into it, which the yep, city yep. of Little Rock collects money so that they can go out and advertise for private businesses. Uh, the private businesses yeah. can advertise well enough on their own without taxing me to pay for private business advertising run through a government-run bureaucracy. And it's like what you were yeah. saying, Chris, about pockets of excellence in the highway department. Yeah, but the problem is those pockets are filled with lint that is the cronyism and corruption <laughs> that wants to tax you through the Constitution. Vote no yeah. on issue one. I agree. Yeah, I agree well, wholeheartedly with hope, that. Yeah, and hopefully Bubba's will see like what that what some of those funds are being spent on at this advertising and promotion committee, right? And this hamburger tax, they took some of that tax money, our tax money, and bought the old Cromwell engineering building. They're land the city's landlords now. Well since when do we need the city to be a landlord and be renting out offices and competing with other commercial and uh, res- you know uh, landlords in the city. And it was a terrible deal. They bought that building for like $5 million, and now they rent it out. It'd be interesting to pull some of those rental rates that they're getting. Um, it's a nice building right across from the courthouse, the Pulaski County Courthouse. They don't All need right. to be taking the tax Freedom money of Information Act requests those documents. Yeah, let me, yeah. Let, me yeah. let me ask you a question, Chris. Why is I-40 so absolutely terrible between Memphis and Little Rock? Why? How come they can't and that? Fix is that? A, it is. I'll tell you what. Here's, here's the deal from an engineering standpoint. The way you design a highway is based on um, the amount of pounding it gets. In a layman's term, how many hits does it take? across that highway. And I say a hit, how many impact loads from diesels, diesel truck, big rigs, 80,000-pound vehicles, those vehicles pound that road to shreds. You could drive on that, at that highway, you could drive passenger cars for 50 years and never, never hurt it. But you put those 80,000-pound big rigs on there, and that's what beats up that, that, that highway. And basically, Arkansas is the bridge across America. All the all the stuff coming up from Texas, from California, all comes across I-40, across the state of Arkansas, and that road gets pounded. Now, Rob well knows we can't, we can't put a gate up at the borders in Oklahoma and a gate up at Memphis and tax folks that come across Arkansas and shut down commerce, right? But um, it, it, it gets pounded on by by trucks from California all the way to Florida. And that that's essentially what pounds on that road, and it's an enormous amount of traffic. Well, I-40 runs from the East Coast to the West Coast. Everybody needs to understand yes. that. That's why it's right. one of the big drug highways of America as well. And then they got oh, I-30 yeah. connecting Texas and uh, Mexico uh, across yeah. our state as well. But uh, why can't that be 
you know, worked into the design of the highway. First of all, why do they why do they fight against making it, you know, six lanes and just instead of just four lanes, so that the trucks can stay just in uh, two of the of the of the three lanes on either side? Is there is there some kind of political reason for that? Uh, uh, you know, Chris? I, I called. I, yeah, I called some of my engineering buddies over there, and I said, give me your arguments for the tax. What's going on? Why are you spending all this money on new construction? Here's what they told me. They said, here's how it works. So when you pay, when we pay taxes at the gas pump, all that money funnels into the federal government, into one lump sum. And then they have these just turn back money. So uh, we get money back from the federal government on these diesel taxes, right? And the tax on gasoline. And then, but what they do is they tie that money to construction and not maintenance. So if you want the money, you have to go spend it. So there's some problems, there's some issues there that I'm not fully educated on about how they get to uh, diversify that money into maintenance versus new construction. Um, The argument that was made to me, and I'm not, I don't fully understand it is, you have to get it and spend it on new construction. You can't get it and then decide to spend 90% of it on maintenance. Um, so that's where the issue comes in with how the money is spent from the gasoline tax. It would seem to me that if that's the case, then one of the things that they would do is they look where the cars are and your new construction would be where the cars are, not where the cars ain't. That's right. That's right. And then, so go back to how the how the commission is set up. Um, you know, would El Dorado be bigger if we had a four line four lane highway heading down to El Dorado? Um, yeah. So, but you know, build the roads and they will come. That's not how the highway department works. That's not how traffic engineers work. The way it works is, and unfor- this is unfortunate, but you don't build a road and expect the traffic to be there. You wait till the road is at capacity, and then you expand it. And then what's what's awful is normally what happens is you you take that road and it's at capacity. So you add another lane. As soon as you add that lane, it's already at capacity again. Um, so it's a it's a there's a problem there with how we're uh, planning roads, right? How we how we decide where the new construction is going to be. All right. Well, we're at something that I wasn't intending to get into, but it does uh, uh, bring up one last question. And is yeah. that do do we need a change in in the way that the, the highway department is run? Uh, doesn't it make sense that the the populace of the state should have a state a, a say in the highway department, which means that the, oh. the legislation legislative uh, branch of this government, uh, not to mention the executive and the court systems, should have a say as well. I mean, they are people yeah. that are elected by the people of the state. That's right. That's right, Dave. So here's okay. So here's so let me give you a little more history on the Arkansas Highway Department. They just changed their name to A A dot A R dot right R dot. Right. They're not really technically a Department of Transportation. They're only over the highways. The Texas DOT is over the airports, the 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 rivers, the roads. So I think it was a little disingenuous to call it R dot, but they wanted to do it. And but 
typically a state department of transportation, Texas, T, uh, they got um, Oklahoma dot, OK dot, they got TX dot. Those are truly uh, departments of transportation because they're over the um, airplanes, the airports, all, the all rivers. methods of transportation. Yes, yeah. So we've got a little bit of a a little bit of a strange animal here. Where like when I would go to some of the national transportation meetings, the director of the highway department from Arkansas would have been there been there fifteen years when the um, text dot was there for three years. Tennessee Tot was there for two years. So they had transition in the leadership in order to uh, um, bring in new ideas. Our our dot's not that way. Highway department's not that way. The, um, our, our executive director stays a long time, and they're paid well. Well, they stay. They what they 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 stay at the at the decision of the governor, don't they? No, the, so the executive director is hired by the commission, and the commission's an independent body. But then that commission is the, is is appointed by the governor. The oh highway commission God. appointment's a big. There you go. Now you there you go. Get it? Yeah. That's where the rub is. Yeah. So maybe you know it was one of the few things that Jeremy Hutchinson, while he was still uh, a senator. Uh, threatened uh, the uh, Department of Transportation with was changing them, and they got scared, and they started telling uh, Jeremy that they would do all these things that 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 he wanted done, but they didn't have to pass legislation to get them done. Jeremy didn't get the legislation passed, and they didn't do a doggone thing. And then we know that Jeremy uh, uh, went rogue and, you know, is still out there right. fighting to keep himself out of jail. So the bottom line is at least he was doing one good thing. I'm waiting for somebody to pick up uh, the, the, the Don Quixote uh, helmet and, uh, you know, get poncho and, and go tilt at some windmills <laughs> again. Right. Well, it needs Dave, to be done. the broader point here is that already we've heard by Chris's apt description that the highway department has a high level of so-called independence. And independence usually is a good word, but when independence refers to a government agency, it's equated with runaway. It's equated with a lack of accountability. It's equated with a lack of oversight by the legislature. And the only thing you could do to make that worse is to pile on a bunch of money to that unaccountable yep. agency by guaranteeing it through a tax of every Arkansan uh, in the Constitution of Arkansas. That is a mistake. Vote no on issue one. All right. A break. Right. We come back. Let's talk about Barrett and becoming a Supreme Court justice as the Dave Ellswick show continues here at six o'clock on 1011 FM. The answer. Let's finish up uh, our time with Robert Steinbach, uh, law professor at Bowen School of Law, uh, lawyer here in Arkansas. His opinions, by the way, are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the school of law or the university where it's at. And then we got uh, Chris Corbett. And Chris uh, drew on his uh, engineering background because he's a lawyer as well, but his strength is uh, for law as an engineering and gave us a nice uh, background on uh, everything uh, dealing with uh, the uh, Arkansas Department of Transportation. Guys, we got about six minutes left here. And uh, so I wanted to talk about 
another big national story, and that is that uh, the uh, uh, Senate Judiciary Committee uh, voted out uh, Amy Coney Barrett and uh, gave her a a 12-0 vote and uh, sent her name to the Senate uh, to be confirmed as the next uh, Supreme Court justice. (coughs) The uh, uh, Majority Leader McConnell says they'll vote on her come Monday. Your thoughts about this whole process. Uh, I think Graham was really great when, uh, you know, the Democrats didn't show up trying to say, well, look, there's not a quorum with the two minor with the two minority can, uh, people of the of the uh, of the party. And Graham says, I told Schumer back in 2013 when they changed the rules on this. And one of the rules they changed was that if none of the minority party shows up. The majority party moves forward with what they want to do, and that's exactly what Graham did. He says, I told him he'd have to pay, it, there would be a payback time, and that time is now. So I, I thought that was, uh, that was interesting. But your guys thought about this whole process thus far. I'll start with you, Chris. What do you think? I think it's fantastic. Um, just to put it in perspective, so there's 22 people on the Judicial Nomination Committee, right? 12 of them are Republicans and 10 are Democrats. None of the Democrats showed up. So you're right. The vote was 12 to 0. And Amy Coney, Coney Barrett's going to go on to the full Senate for a vote for confirmation. And um, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, I had, I had uh, Senator Tom Cotton on yesterday. And he made a very uh, important statement uh, for the folks that heard that. He said, you cannot allow the minority to control the majority. And that's what you would have done if you said, if we don't have two minority members uh, there uh, for, uh, for the quorum, because quorum is there. They, just, they had just put in that to two minority folks. And then they wrote another line saying that if it was just to, to muck up things, that they could move forward. And that's what the Democrats were trying to do. They were trying to muck up things because they lost uh, control of the uh, judiciary. Robert, you want to talk a little bit about that, about how the Constitution reads about this stuff? Well, we've talked a number of times, Dave, about the fact that this is ordinary business. The Republicans didn't take a vote on Merrick Garland because they had the votes not to take the vote, so to speak. They, in other words, the Republicans controlled the Senate, and so they didn't have to call him up. If they called, if they called up the vote, he would have lost the vote. So there's really no difference in that regard in terms of the outcome. Now they continue to have the Senate, and of course they have the presidency, and they called up the vote, and the vote was successful, needless to say. So that's how politics works. If you have the numbers and you can vote whatever you're doing, be it a candidate, uh, be it a, a legislation forward, you do so. And if you don't have the numbers, well, then you lose. And we've had the numbers. And to be fair, it is entirely legal for the Democrats, should they win both the presidency and the Senate, which is a tall order, don't get me wrong, that they can make a law to change the number of seats to court pack, to pack I agree. the Supreme Court. I agree. Second. With with that Second. said, we're, we're yeah. out of time. Very we're good. We're out of time. We're, we got 
uh, the news coming up. And uh, Robert Steinbach, Chris Corbett, guys, have a great weekend. We'll talk again uh, next week. Uh, Robert, I'll call and get you set up for Monday because the vote's coming up on Monday with the Senate on Barrett, and we'll talk about that as well. Until then, guys, have a great weekend. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, 6 o'clock segment, here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Let's get to the news right now. Well, it's a Friday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. It's uh, in the 6 o'clock hour, and uh, I want to give you some things to do this weekend. I mean, there's more than happening on on uh, is college football. Well, the Razorbacks aren't even playing this weekend, so who cares about college football or professional football? What's important is where are you going to go to have a great time this weekend and at a reasonable cost? And that, of course, is to the movie theater. And what movie theaters are you going to go? To the VIP movie theaters, because they're the ones that are open. You've got uh, the VIP uh, movie theater down Hot Springs. You've got Riverdale 10 right there uh, on, over on uh, the, the highway here in uh, Little Rock uh, at the bottom of Cantrell Hill. You've got... Uh, Cabot VIP Cinema, Searcy VIP Cinema, Cinema, and up in Batesville, you even got the Oaks VIP Cinema. So you got plenty of places to go watch uh, motion pictures. You know, this last move by uh, the studios to uh, not to release new product uh, for the most part, the big tentpole movies, moving them back to 2021, 2022, you know, 2022, and things of that nature, has really had a huge business effect on some on some theater chains. Regal is reeling. There's no doubt about it from what I've read. And AMC now is reeling as well. Uh, are you sharpening uh, your your money, uh, um, Mr. Uh, theater Owner, and looking at new theaters that you might want to pick up uh, along the way as others go out of business? Well, okay, so we want to start with that before we start with the new movies this week. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're kind of talking about two different animals. You're talking about Regal. Uh, which is uh, the second largest cinema chain in the United States. Right. But it's owned by a company called Cineworld, and they are based out of the United Kingdom. And they have a lot of operations uh, in England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, uh, and then uh, throughout Europe, especially in Eastern Europe, like Bulgaria, uh, Poland, uh, you know, Czechoslovakia, places like that. Um, that uh, so-called second wave has hit Europe harder, and they've locked down faster. Yep. And I think that's one of the reasons that Cineworld um, decided to close up shop. Uh, I think they were going to be forced to do that in the United Kingdom and Europe, and they just kind of got out in front of that. Uh, now, they do have uh, their best theaters in California open. Oh, good. And today uh, they are opening up 11 locations in the state of New York. Uh, so those those are open, but um, you know they've got 543 locations uh, in the United States and Canada, and we're talking about 20 of them being open, the others being closed. Right. So Regal has done that. Uh, that communist Cuomo there in New York uh, has finally allowed uh, movie theaters in the state of New York that are not in the New York City metropolitan area to reopen today. 
And so in the rural areas of New York and in upstate New York, basically outside of the, the Manhattan area, um, you know, the five boroughs and, and those surrounding areas, uh, those theaters are allowed to open. And, um, you know, that insane guy there, uh, Gavin Newsom in California, you know, he'd rather see Forrest burn than actually, you know, log the trees and have jobs. That guy. Right. Um he has not allowed uh, any uh, theaters in the county of Los Angeles to reopen. Uh, so still, the two biggest box office draws in North America and the two most important cities in the world for the motion picture business, theaters in those two cities are still shut down. Uh, on the whole, uh, Cineworld and Regal uh, are a much better run company, uh, operated much better, much more better capitalized than AMC. Uh, AMC is uh, a Chinese-owned company uh, from a China Chinese conglomerate called the Wanda Group. They actually own AMC. Uh, they are the largest chain in the world. Uh, they are the largest um, chain in the United States. Uh, but they have made a lot of exceedingly dumb um, business moves just based on growth. And they bought up a lot of smaller chains uh, paid too much, um, you know, the, the the credit crack they were on, easy money, and uh, ended up with a lot of theaters that are just shabby and, and just aren't that good. Um, when the pandemic hit, um, AMC had uh, about 650 locations uh, in North America, the United States and Canada, and they, um, they opened up um, roughly, they plan on opening roughly 600 of those. 50 of them they did not even um, want to, to or even try to reopen. Uh, they plan on opening about 600 of those up. And of those 600, you know, 400 of those locations are good theaters, uh, nice theaters. They're in good metropolitan statistical areas. They're in good shape. They're theaters people want to go to. They've got 200 locations that are just shabby and ragged and wore out and you know they've got some seats and screens and drapes in them and you know equipment in them from the 1980s and they're just they're just rancid they're just horrible um those i just don't see surviving and i don't see anybody wanting uh they're in much less lesser tier markets and you know they were um they were put in in a time when the world was different yeah. You know, I mean, they, they've got some stuff that hasn't been updated since, you know, 1990, 1988. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there's some junk out there. I mean, they've get, there's a there's an AMC theater in Fort Smith. Um, it is a 14-screen theater, and it they started out in an old, closed-down service merchandising building and just kind of slammed it together in a jigsaw puzzle way. Um, it's just raggedy. I mean, it's got some chairs that have been in that building since 1985. So what you're and saying I, is yeah. if you want to take it over, you would have to tear it down to the studs. Oh, and, man, and I don't want no junk like it, that. Nobody to wants to take fix. over an outhouse, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. And, and you know, so, I mean, this, this, is, this is just there, – there's, there's a lot of junky AMCs out there, and, and I think they were forced to purchase those in order to get good locations. You know, you had some chains out there that had some good locations and some junk locations. AMC had to take the good with the bad. But um, – yeah, they've got 600 locations. If 200 of those went away, on the whole, you wouldn't be missing much. Uh, they're in junky markets. They're in third, fourth tier markets, or they're in locations where the um, the area already has nicer theaters. 
Gotcha. So, you know, you're going to see that shrinkage, but I don't think anybody would be interested in that junk. Now, if you're talking about nice theaters in nice areas, whatever you're talking about, an AMC or a Regal or a, or a Cinemark, any of those big chains, someone will take those. Now, I don't know if you're going to see mergers between smaller companies uh, or regional players, or you're going to see outright acquisitions, but those nice cinemas aren't going away. Okay, well let's let's move on. We've talked about the uh, in the in the weeds, uh, you know, business aspects of this. People who are listening to this show, as you mentioned when you said, "Oh, you want to talk about that first, and not the movies." Let's talk about the movies now, and the rest of the way out. That's what we will uh, discuss. Let's just start with Riverdale Ten right here in Little Rock. I'm looking at what I think are the three new movies, After We Collided, The Empty Man, and Over the Moon. Those are three movies I'm not familiar with at all. Uh, I want you to talk about them. Let's start with uh, one that seems kind of Halloween-ish for us, and that's The Empty Man. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's a brand-new movie that's out today. It's released by 20th Century Fox. Uh, it's rated R. Uh, James Badgedale, Joel Courtney, Stephen Root, Marin Ireland, Owen Teague, all-star. David Pryor is the director. Uh, it's rated R, and it's from 20th Century Fox. It is new in theaters today. It is definitely a horror film for the um, Halloween season. Uh, absolutely. Check that out. Uh, After We Collided is a sequel to the movie After. It is a um, uh, romance film, uh, also rated R. It is from uh, Open Road Studios and Briarcliff Entertainment. That is the same company that released Honest Thief uh, oh, last week, starring great Liam movie. Neeson. Great yes, movie. Yes, yes. And, of course, we are still playing Honest Thief, starring Liam Neeson. Uh, it's PG-13. You've seen it. Number one film in the country. That is still on the screen. Uh, the War with Grandpa, PG, with Robert De Niro, good for the whole family. That's still playing. Um, and also from last week, Two Hearts, PG-13, which is a romantic comedy, brand new in the theaters. That's on the screen as well. Um, now, the other film you mentioned is called Over the Moon. That is an animated feature uh, that would definitely be nominated for um, Academy Awards uh, in animation. Uh, it is PG. Um, uh, a small girl builds a rocket to travel to the moon in hopes of meeting the legendary moon goddess. And it's got a 95-minute running time. It's PG. It's animation. Um, and and I, I think that will be nominated for the Academy Award for animated films this year. Just a really good little family animated motion picture. Uh, that's, that's out there. That's new this week. Of course, we're still playing Tenet. You know, and uh, we've yeah, got Infidel, Infidel on the screen uh, with uh, James Cavalese. That's playing. And uh, we've got some cool classics that we brought back. We brought back The Addams Family, which is PG, good for the whole family for the Hall Halloween season. We are playing Halloween, rated R, from 1978 to the original. Uh, that's on the screen this weekend. Let me stop yeah, you. Ahead. I, I wanted to talk about Halloween. I remember when we showed it. Uh, and this is back at Market Street when you were there. And we showed it, and it, it was like pulling teeth to find a 35-millimeter copy of Halloween. And they hadn't digitalized it yet. 
when did they finally digitalize this movie and make it uh, available to be able to be shown like this again? Because, to be honest, it's one of my all-time favorite horror movies that's out there. There has been such a push for that. And and as as you go back and you look, um, the, the transition uh, to... Um, um, digital light projection and digital movies really started in about 2006. Uh-huh. But it did not gain any steam until about 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, there was a big sweep converting all movie theaters to digital. And as that happened, um, they started making almost all films available in a digital version. They started converting these films to digital so they could get them reissued and into theaters. It became much, much easier to do counter-programming uh, and to have these special events once these movies all got put to digital. You know, if you look back, um, you know, we've been doing this classic movie series for a long time. Yeah, and we if have. You look back at, <laughs> yes, absolutely. We've been doing it for a long time. And if you look back to, to many years ago, uh, we had the classic movie series going. That was something that no one else did. We had a classic movie series. Nobody else was showing classic movies. Nobody else was bringing those movies in. And this is back when everything was on 35-millimeter film. And it was just it was just hard to do. And now that these movies have been digitalized, uh, it is much more easy to do that. And you see more programming of this type. Uh, and, and, and that was going on before the pandemic. Now, of course, they're issuing a lot of movies uh, back into theaters that you just would not have had a chance to to see before. Um, you know, Walt Disney Pictures is putting out their classics into movie theaters. We've got a new one every Friday. Um, from from Walt Disney Pictures, and that's something that has been unprecedented in history. Uh, you could not go watch a uh, classic uh, or older Walt Disney movie um, in a theater uh, before 2020. That, and you know that's now right, we've got the, what's that? We, well, that's right because they had the Disney Vault. You remember yes. this, and they had all of those old movies because I wanted to show some of the old movies and could not, you know, Swiss Family Robinson, things of that nature, and you couldn't get them to to show because Disney had them locked away because they released them on DVD from time to time. Was not allowed. There were no theatrical screenings of these films, and I don't think the casual observer pays attention, but, you know, once this uh, um, once this situation passes that we're in now, you're not going to be able to go back to a movie theater and watch uh-huh. a classic Disney title. I mean, just like just like you know, today uh, in Cabot in your hometown, we're playing The Nightmare Before Christmas, right? Uh, for, and and we're playing Hocus Pocus, both classic Disney PG family titles on the screen there in Cabot. You can go check them out. Uh, that just that just never happens. We played all the Star Wars movies. Uh, we've got uh, you know Guardian of the Galaxy coming back next month. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff out there that you're going to be able to go see on the big screen that you never could have seen before. You know, I that, agree. That, that's kind of cool. And we're showing these classic movies for five bucks. I mean, we've got a lot of specials going on. Okay, on, well, on let, let, let's talk about that. We've got to get a break in. Let's talk about that when we come back because there are some ones, uh, classics out there. We've got one that we're going to show at Riverdale on the 27th. We're going to show the original Friday the 13th, 40th anniversary of that movie. Uh, we'll be back to tell you all about all of that with Matt Smith. He is the movie kingdom guru of central Arkansas. He'll continue talking with us when we return on 101.1 FM. FM, the answer.
Final segment with Matt Smith, uh, our movie guru here in central Arkansas. Uh, Real quickly, there's a lot of specials going on at the VIP cinemas. I would like Matt to talk about that. And then we'll run across uh, the movies that are showing. And you need to get out and see a movie this weekend. Have some popcorn. Have your... uh, you know, type of beverage that you want, and and just know you're going to do it in a clean environment and a safe environment from COVID-19. With that said, let me turn it back over to Matt. Matt, what's the specials? Well, we're, we play classic movies. Anytime we're playing a classic movie, tickets are $5. All seats, all features, adults, children, matinee, evenings, nights, weekends. You get it for 5 bucks for any of our classics. We've always got some classics on the screen. Tuesday night, every movie we play, including our brand-new releases like The Empty Man, War with Grandpa, Honest Thief, Tenant, those tickets are just $5 every Tuesday. Wednesdays, buy a movie ticket, get a free bag of popcorn every Wednesday. Monday nights, we have matinee Mondays. So on Monday night, you have the matinee ticket prices. No adult pricing on Monday night. All the tickets are discounted. And we're running all kinds of specials. We got candy for a dollar. We've got nachos for three dollars. We've got popcorn for just five bucks. A lot of lot of specials going. Check out the website. It's Riverdale10.com in Little Rock, CerseCinema.com in Searcy, Hot Springs VIP dot com in Hot Springs. Uh, it is OaksVIPCinema.com in Batesville, and of course Cabot. VIPCinema.com in Cabot. And all the theaters feature luxury leather electric recliners with tables and reserved seating. Of course, we've got a full food menu. Uh, you know, anything you might want to, to eat there. Uh, all of our guidelines are posted on the websites as well. Just click that to check out the, check out the guidelines. And, of course, new this week, Empty Man, brand new from 20th Century Fox. We're still playing Honest Thief with Liam Neeson. War with Grandpa, uh, with um, uh, Robert De Niro, new romantic comedy Two Hearts is out, and um, we got some cool classics on the screen, including Halloween from 1978, uh, The Adams Family as well. I got to tell you what, to be able to see Halloween again on the big screen, it, it, it is a joy. I just tell everybody that right now. If you if you've never seen it on the big screen, you've always watched it on the, your television. Uh, go see it at the theater this uh, this weekend for sure because it still will get you on the edge of your seat no matter how many times you've watched it. When you can start seeing it on the big screen in that darkened theater, it makes a big deal. Now, Linda had uh, an operation on her leg to take that uh, metal stuff out of her ankle that she had, Matt, so we won't be able to make it this weekend. But I am going to watch uh, the movie that scared me as a little kid so bad that even if I watch it today, it will give me nightmares. And tonight they're showing The Blob on television, the original <laughs> The Blob with Steve McQueen. That movie scared the living you-know-what out of me when I was a kid. I mean, I no doubt about it. That is, To me, it's one of the scariest movies. During the break, full disclosure, Matt and I talked about 
you know, had they digitalized the blob, because if they ever digitalize it, I will guarantee you it's going to be one of my classic movies. They're all, <laughs> they're also showing uh, the original The Thing with James Arness tonight on TV. I'll be watching that. I love that movie. Howard Hawks did such a great job of, of directing that. There's just some really good stuff that's out there. Typically, uh, Fridays and Saturday nights are movie nights for me, but uh, until Linda can walk really good, uh, we'll have to forego it. But just know I well, wish hey, I was there, Matt. Speaking of classics, Tuesday night we got Friday the 13th. The 27th, that's right. 7 o'clock, Tuesday the 27th, the Dave Ellsworth Classic. Tickets just 5 bucks are on sale at Riverdale10.com. Yeah. Maybe you guys can make it out Tuesday. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. I'll see how she's doing. It would be great because that's, uh, that's such a great movie, and it is a classic. And just for everybody's knowledge, to make everybody feel old, that remember going to the theater yeah. and seeing it, it is this year. 40 years old. That's that's double what I usually use to determine what is a classic movie. <laughs> Unbelievable. Come check us out, Riverdale10.com. Good place to go. Thanks, Matt, for being with us. I appreciate you, brother. You have a great weekend, and uh, enjoy the time with your family doing some stuff this weekend. Thank you. Talk to you later now. Matt Smith here on the Dave Ellswick Show joins me every Friday for the most part. Uh, between 8.30 and 9 o'clock to let you know what's on at the movies. If you haven't seen Tenet yet, it's still at Riverdale. Go see that movie. I can't impress you enough to go and see that movie. They clean their theaters after every movie. Uh, they do social distancing. Uh, the mask, you got to wear a mask while you come into the theater. When you get into the theater and get yourself set down, you can take that mask off and no one is going to sit within six feet of you. Just know that. Social distancing. You'll be fine. You'll be safe. We're out of time. Monday, Power Panel will be back. We'll have a lot to talk that day as well. See you then on the Dave Ellswick Show.